Hello and welcome to Chats the Television Podcast, Season 15, Chats 8. Each week we watch and discuss two episodes of the Netflix original series, Sense8. My name is Alan, and as always, I have the pleasure of being joined by an underappreciated member of the Sense8 production crew. This time, it was the location scout who found eight distinct hospitals to film very explicit birthing scenes in. <laughs> it's Magellan. Well, you know, we we just wanted to challenge the audience to think of the world as as one big hospital. You know, in in the location scouting business, I think often uh, it's about finding the right place, but it's not about placing the right find. Hmm. And what I mean by that is. Some of us have C-sections. <laughs> Exactly. And some of us have a water birth. I love, we'll talk about it, but it's just that like someone said, we need birthing to be diverse. How can we diversify the birthing <laughs> process? Okay, what other kind of types of births are there? Water birth. Right. A C-section. Okay, how about, uh, and then just six totally standard maternal births. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this is definitely a slate of births designed by 2010s like liberal ideology. Yep. It's cool. I mean, it's awesome. And also, that's kind of funny. That if you want to like, see cool... Yeah, that they were like, what's the different types of birthing? Yeah, I mean, also because it's like, you know, it has to be visually different and it has to be characterful and, you know, but it, it is sort of like, oh, we're doing... We got to do all eight of them. <laughs> so let's figure out what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you want to see explicit birthing scenes, you should watch Station Eleven. That has one of the most bananas episodes about pregnancy and childbirth that I've ever seen on television. Oh, baby. Okay. Not and not adapted from the book. They made it for the show. Anyways, this is not a Station Eleven podcast yet. 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 <laughs> it's a Sensei podcast for now. And uh, I'm your stalwart co-host, and he's my, your, my other stalwart co-host, and we're here to watch Sensate together with you, the viewer. Meow. Meow? Or uh, yeah. Like meow. It just felt like something to say. It. Didn't someone it's... say meow in something that we watched this week? Or was that in the pilot chats thing? That, that was in the pilot about? chats that Damn we're recording it. after this. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Don't, don't, don't sorry, to sorry to distract. It's okay. It's okay. You're good. Because we're talking about... Season 1, Episode 9 of Sense8, Season 1, Death Doesn't Let You Say Goodbye, and Season 1, Episode 10, What is Human? <laughs> Death Doesn't Let You Say Goodbye was written by Lily and Lana Wachowski, as well as J. Michael Straczynski. It is directed mm-hmm. by Lily and Lana Wachowski, and it aired with the rest of Season 1 on June 5th, 2015 on Netflix. Magellan, what happened in Death Doesn't Let You Say Goodbye? In this episode, Riley learns about her new life and its dangers. Kala deals with the aftermath of the attack on Rajan's father, and Leto's world spins out of control. Alan, what do you think of Death Doesn't Let You Say Goodbye? Uh, You know that TikTok of the guy snoring? Here's the audio of it. Thank you, Editor Alan. Appreciate that. Oh, Hong Shu Mimi me, me, me. <laughs> You gotta explain that. I've been uh, laughing about that for weeks. I got it from those memes that are like Drake, the type of guy who. Sorry, blah, sorry, blah, those blah. Hong Shu Mimi me, me, memes, you mean? Oh my god, hold on. Yes. The Drake Go meme ahead. leads to Hong Shu Mimi me, me, memes. 
one of them says Drake the type of guy that wears a cap and a like a sleeping gown and holds a candle at night and walks up to the the kitchen and then he falls asleep and goes honk shoo me 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 like me 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 like a cartoon man uh but the way it's written is honk shoo me 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 which if you just say it like that is the funniest thing in the world and Majon loves it when i do that so that's why i do it it's it's great that's how you be sleeping yeah it is how i be sleeping listen i saw a pulmonologist to look into the sleep apnea thing so we'll see uh, the results how of the sleep I'm sleeping study. if it's honk shoo me me or honk shoo choke 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 or honk <laughs> exactly honk shoo choke wake up in a micro moment that I don't even register as waking up, but actually Yikes. I'm waking up constantly. Yikes. Did you know you like you have to be awake? It's a certain number of seconds before your brain knows that you're awake. Yeah, basically. So that uh, that's a thing. I've thought about that when I have like bad dreams that end awkwardly. Is that there's a couple seconds at the end where I'm like, oh god, wait, am I awake? Am I, this in this dream? I'm in my bedroom. Oh, I'm in my bedroom. Ah, oh, fuck, I'm awake. Okay, okay, now I'm <laughs> awake. Really, now mm-hmm. I'm consciously awake. Uh, right. Speaking of awake and asleep, I have mixed feelings about this episode, right? Because we are now in the back end of Sense Eight season one, which is right. when the show starts to really dump a lot of um, backstory and plot that I don't particularly love, mm-hmm. um, but that also happens to me at the apex, the sort of crescendo of a lot of the see the season's greatest arcs and you know i'm torn there are parts where i'm like and I'll, we'll talk about them where i'm like god oh, this is just this tv at its finest i'm i really if i had better capacity to show and express emotions i would be bawling my eyes out right now but i'm i can't just i'm just bare i'm on the cusp and then there are other scenes where i'm basically falling asleep because riley is getting a fucking lord dump and i'm so bored so really mixed bag here this week what about you? Yeah, I think there's some characterful stuff in here that is some of the best. I'm thinking particularly of the Nomi and Leto scenes or sequence here. Yeah, I, for I sure. Was like, yeah, it was awesome. Um, and then I think there's some great Riley Caffius stuff in here, and those sorts of things are working for me. But then I agree with you that we're also getting some like here's now like a term for the whole Sicilium thing and like Jonas is evil maybe. Whoa, that's something. And what's Whisper's deal and the BPO and there's like kind of main plot stuff that I'm still not – I still don't know if I'm on board with it as like a thing, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because I'm so here for – the part of Sense8 that is like eight different characters are in each other's brains. And mm-hmm. that's just like a thing. And they're experiencing each other's lives and helping each other out. And I don't know if I'm as here for like the show that has this conspiracy plot about how some people are telepathic and the there's a shadow organization that wants to hunt them down or whatever. Like that stuff feels... I don't know. Just like the way that that's plotted out feels very familiar to me in a way that isn't super engaging. And I think there are other shows that do this kind of thing in a way that's like a little more interesting and original, like a show like um, Orphan Black. Uh, You know, I only saw the first maybe couple seasons, but it has a similar thing going on of like there are clones. There's bad people who want to get the clones and. Well, uh, what's going on? Yeah. 
And in that show, it kind of like the sci-fi matches the plot. And here, the sci-fi thing doesn't always match the plot for me. Because you could just as easily tell, do a show that's as awesome where you're just like, eight people can go into each other's brains. And that's it. Well, we're not going to explain it. We're just going to do that and uh, see what's up with that. I don't know if the modern TV landscape like permits that anymore, though. I, I also would love just that show. But mm-hmm. to have no overarching plot, to have no mystery to solve is... Right. I mean, I think especially like Netflix 2015. Yeah, um, exactly. Huge budget. Like, yeah, you're never going to get them to make Sense8 on Netflix in 2015 with the Wachowskis for a bajillion dollars as like a slice of life dramedy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's that was not going to to occur. Uh, but, you know. That I think is just like representative of a principal thing that I don't like in TV all the time, which is like it needs to be TVE, and some of this stuff feels a little TVE to me. Definitely, definitely, and I, yeah, it's just it's it's a little disappointing. But the parts that are good are really good, like you were saying. Yeah, and I'm excited to talk about them. Yeah, so let's do that. This episode starts with um, the subtitles "Sing softly in Icelandic, comma voice echoing," and I was like, "Yes, vibes. Let's go. We're in Iceland. Riley's here. We got a plot, and uh, maybe we'll have to re-rank the sensates this week or next week." But I just find myself dropping her lower than even Will's plot at this point because. Whoa. Okay. Why is that? Yeah, man. Well, her plot now deals with um, just to like give the overarching piece of these two episodes uh we learn why she has a fear of driving in the second episode we learned that she has a fear of driving in this one we learned mm-hmm. why in the second one uh yeah. we learned that her mother knew a woman named irsa who she meets here in iceland uh, because she was contacted by her and this woman may is distrustful of, J- of jonas and when uh she can tell that riley is speaking to will who is speaking to jonas that she's like don't trust him he's lying to you guys he's working with whispers uh I feel like it's pretty obvious that she's lying. What about you? Did that seem clear or are you still unsure? I also don't know. I don't remember, to be clear. It's plausible to me that Jonas and Angelica could have been bad guys who've turned good. And like that kind of makes Jonas more interesting to me, honestly. Um, If he like, if there's some truth to it, I think it's somewhere in the middle, probably like Jonas is not a faultless guy, and also she's probably not entirely right about him being a a villain. I think there must be some kind of gray area or some actions that he took that he felt were justified, but later he's thinking they aren't, you know. That's the sort of thing that uh, it's probably going to be that makes Jonas and Angelica more complicated, more interesting to me. I think the, the part of this that feels the richest is like this philosophical difference that they have about there being love within a cluster because she describes it as essentially like really narcissistic. She points out and we learn uh, that when a cluster is born, they're all born at the same time. They all have the same birthday and 
I guess are born in the same moment. And that's part of what like binds them together as a cluster. So she says love inside a cluster is pathological. It's the worst kind of narcissism. And Jonah says Angelica believed a sensate experiences love in its purest form. Mm -hmm. um, and that that's a really interesting philosophical disagreement that I hope the show continues to explore. Because I think there are character pairings that argue for either side of that, right? Yes. There are sensates who are finding love within the cluster, and there are an equal amount of sensates who have like really rich, deep relationships with people who are not in their brain all the time. And like, are both of those love? Are they the same thing? Is one better or worse than the other or what? That's um, an intriguing debate to me. Yeah, this is the this is the value of having like people who know what's going on in the world of Sensate and be able to talk about the different perspectives. Is yeah, like inherently being a being in a Sensate cluster with other people allows for a certain type of love. And we have talked on the podcast about like how romance and like and sexual attraction can be similar to like being a part of someone else or being entwined intertwined with someone else and the show's been making us think about that a lot i've like really enjoyed how it has even like affected my my day-to-day -day life and how i think about my relationships with people uh but yeah what, what these characters are, are debating is like is that cool or is that almost fucked up in a way that like it's so it's so close that like what makes us different anymore do we want everybody to be even like on a broader picture? This this debate brings up like, do we want everybody to be sensates, like almost like the X Men mutant right. metaphor or something? Right. Is it worth it if everyone was connected? Is that good? Or right. and then and then if you let's go one more galaxy brain take. Should we do the Evangelion like big existential soup <laughs> thing where right. we're all one being? We're all in one big brain, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's season two. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that's where the like sci-fi plot of this is engaging to me is like you're saying when we can gather together characters who like have opinions on the mechanics of the concept and then the, they can talk they can talk about or gesture towards the implications of that concept on our own lived experience. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not as interesting when it's like whispers is coming to kill you. And the BPO is whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. BPO. So what does it stand for again? Biologic big, preservation organization. Oh, I thought it was big penis energy. 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 So, energy. Here's my thing with just to go back to Riley. Um, it's it's a choice and I don't know how I feel about it, but like every other sensei, they've been very clear about their past, I feel like. Yes. We get explicit flashbacks of Wolfgang's past with his dad. We have this thing with Will that is like a dream that he's having, but maybe there's some kind of past connection with this person who disappeared that they've been setting up for a while and maybe then they're going to clarify more later. But with Riley, it's like they're now starting to invent stuff for her or like oh, it feels like it's almost like they're retconning her because they're bringing up like 
maybe this is the next episode, but the stuff with her husband who passed away. The husband stuff is mostly in the second episode. This one mostly mostly concerns her mom. Yeah. And I was even getting a little bit confused of like between those two things of, okay, which part of Riley's past are we on like surfacing now? I don't know. So it kind of felt like they'd spent all this time just having her plot be vibes. And then they were like, whoa, okay. (laughs) Now she needs to like have a past or something. And that's where it's, there's a disconnect for me or it's not quite working. According to the wiki, the um the big husband thing where she visits his grave is in this. Oh, it totally is in this episode. It's like brief. Um, oh, okay. While we're on Riley, I guess then we can just talk about it. Uh, basically, Irsa tells her, uh, you know, you're that psychicelium or whatever. It's like the connecting energy between all of you people. It's very matrixy. It's very, uh, it's a psychic nervous system. That's what it is. Uh, Which is a cool that, concept. I don't mean to, you know, poo-poo it too much. No, that's, yeah. That, it's cool to make him. That's not midichlorians, right? That's like you're making a mechanic right. out of, or something tangible out of uh, something that has not been tangible at all so far. And then uh, pivoting from there, Sven, who we saw earlier, drives Riley to a graveyard. He parks like an asshole. He like double, triple parks, but no one else is there. It's fine. Uh, her, she says that her and uh, her father used to like visit the graves here and they would play music and sit with them. She doesn't want to go, but she she's like she should, and she goes and visits the grave of two people, uh, Magnus, who she has a flashback to, uh, her deceased husband, uh, and we learn how he died in the second one. That's what it is, uh, and she talks about like how it it feels like when you when you when she first met him that it wasn't real, and we see this scene of him coming into like a her school like her university on a horse, and he looks like fucking the guy, the guy from Frozen <laughs> like the. Mm-hmm the boyfriend from frozen i was like what is this and it, and the whole point is that it doesn't seem real like i i'm, I'm okay with that but uh mm-hmm. it seems weird and then there's also someone named luna who again we'll learn about in the second episode uh or we'll talk about in the second episode that's a little bit more a dark if you ask me i don't know i agree though it feels like they're almost retconning a plot line just to give riley something to be sad about but also, otherwise, she's just like a sad DJ, and there isn't much to that. Whereas everyone else has like right. reasons for why that they they are sad. Yeah, it's just a little strange. I mean, I guess okay. Let me be on the other side of this critique for a second. Okay. Um, you could make the case Riley is someone who is like compartmentalizing her past, avoiding something, and it's because she's in Iceland then now these things are surfacing, which I guess makes sense. Cause like, she's the only one of the sensates who was in a place other than where they were from at the time of us joining their stories. Yes. She's, um, she's born in Iceland. So like there's logic to it. Um, but I think from a like audience member interacting with the story perspective, we spent all this time being like, okay, Riley's dad, Riley's dad. She's going to go visit her dad. And then she shows up and she's like, hey, dad. And he's like, hey, what's up? Anyway, I'll see you later. I'm doing the concert. Yeah. And then she's like, okay, cool. I'm going to go do some other Iceland plot stuff that has nothing to do with you. So I'll see you tonight. Um, and that's kind of a weird thing. Close the book on that, basically. Yeah. Suddenly. 
Uh, I felt the same about the Will stuff in this episode, which is in parallel, obviously, because these two characters matter to each other a lot. Um, yeah. Flashbacks to Sarah Petrell, whispers, don't look at him. If you look at him, that's mm-hmm. how he takes your power. Very nonsense, foofy sci-fi, mm-hmm. weird thing. Nothing interesting about that to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say the... Um... One thing that was really awesome from the Will stuff, I like his interactions with Jonas. Um, yes, I think I Jonas is cool. He's a cool character who's interesting to talk to. And we, they keep finding new ways to visually represent a sub concept of this concept because we end up in the situation where like Will is linking up with Jonas and Riley. And Riley is talking to her friend. And so, like, Will and Riley are in the middle talking to each other. And each of them can bop to somebody else who is there. But we learn that, like, when two people are visiting the same person, that doesn't mean they can see each other. And Jonas also tells us that when you're visiting, you're a voice in the other person's head. And when you are being visited, you are actually speaking out loud wherever you are. Mm Mm-hmm. That's cool. So and it explains something that we've only seen like through camera tricks so far. Right. And so there's this really cool sequence of, you know, they keep doing the these whip pans and these match cuts and stuff where like Will's turning his head and he was in the room with Jonas, but now all of a sudden he's in his own room, but now he's in Riley's room, mm-hmm. like boom, 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 or the cave she's in. Um, it It looks really cool and it's easy to follow which is like an incredible accomplishment and can't be understated how easy it is to understand what's going on in this show that is so fucking confusing Mm -hmm. um if handled in any other hands so that stuff i liked but yeah otherwise will's just like talking to jonas and that's the most interesting thing he does this week exactly and the last reveal from that stuff is one of the like i'm so curious how you felt about this uh mm. all the sensates were born on the same day uh yeah. because they are the august cluster august 8th uh and if it was the same exact day then it probably means that they were born on august 8th 1988 which let's do a little math here gamers oh if, come on if it's august 8th 88 and the show takes place in 2015 then they're all 27 years old do you oh. think that tracks because they were all born on the same day Oh, I thought you were pointing out the fact that their birthday is 8888. It is. I'm also pointing that out. I'm pointing out multiple, yeah. a couple things. One, it's 8888. That's hilarious. Sensei, we get it, guys. That's really What a cute. gag. What a what gag. What a gag. But also, the years work out that these characters are all probably in the range of 27 years old. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of cool. Not only are they all from different places, but they're all the same age. It mm-hmm. kind of flattens the storytelling potential. I think it would be great to have more... Uh, about like children who are sensates and realizing that and also we've seen like elderly right. people like Irsa is a sensate who's older and Jonas mm-hmm. is and Angelica is but uh, I would like a plot line about an older sensate but the show has now like locked in that these people are all the exact same age and I'm fine with right. it honestly right yeah if this were a, you know a, a big comic book or a show that ran longer you know, maybe we would see like oh now there's this other cluster and they're 12 or they're 44 or whatever and that's the whole thing which would be cool mm-hmm. um but that uh, uh that's some good sleuthing you did there on the thank you on the numbers 
someone clearly thought about it because it, it it's a number that it's, the tracks close enough for the characters um like it's not widely impossible uh, mm. a couple of other quick hits but obviously honestly will and riley were the majority of this episode um starting with wolfgang who's sitting with felix in the hospital and they see uh sergey uh his uncle and the father of steiner the bad guy who we later learned is named steiner um mm-hmm. he just says some vaguely threatening things him and felix are wolfgang and, and felix are his family uh he tells felix never listen to doctors they all they know is death and then he re- again references uh anton wolfgang's father uh that all th- what is it <laughs> life is just five things eating shitting drinking fucking and fighting for more as if again this is like a real normal thing people say uh <laughs> it's not um yeah that was that was silly it's like d- you can't you can't invent a phrase and then the next episode be like that famous phrase and and they use it here to say that like after wolfgang's father was killed sergey's like now i believe life to only be revenge so uh i love you wolfgang but don't make me choose between you and my son uh hmm. so we'll 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 see how that goofy silly plot develops i feel like i'm in like crank not crank but like a weird action movie now that's like in its dumb second act uh or the end of its second act I think but do you have any notes on son's plot i don't have much here about her um, she was in this episode yeah let me skim my notes here the main thing i think it's literally a scene yeah the main thing is that her dad comes to visit her and says that he's going to tell the truth do we believe and that, him and that's it I'm not sure. I think so. I think I believe that he intends to do that, and I wonder what's going to happen to him because that's his intention. Right. It's sense eight. So either he does it, and it's like, wow, you're a good person, and then he dies, or mm-hmm. he's lying, and he's gonna, or he's gonna, or he does tell them, and it gets worse, makes things worse for Son. He's like, oh, I'm so you know nice. Uh, right. Both of us noted right. that the the corniness of this scene. Um, Actually, the last scene, one of the Leto scenes. So when we talk about Leto, we'll talk about the song. But that song bleeds into this sun scene, and it's kind of cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. But let's not let's not unbury that lead just yet. Uh, we have some Nomi and Kala stuff, both separately. Uh, Kala mostly. Uh, she's making chai. She's worried about Rajan. He's embarrassed to tell her some things. I don't have much about this. We learned that his mother's name is Menendra. Uh, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Menendra hospital room no isn't that hurt his dad actually yes names they're really important sometimes Mm -hmm. prayer marriage yeah basically what happens is rajan's mother asks kala to come up to see her and she explains that she used to be a religious woman before she married rajan's father and she asks kala to pray with her for him um which is this nice tender moment of connection and um is obviously not something he would have wanted because mm-hmm. he's very anti-religious um so they're just reminding us like this is the thing this is the tension going on in this plot um with uh, a nice moment of her requesting that from from kala also police thinking that she's involved in the killing of rajan's dad or the stabbing Mm-hmm. The police talking to her earlier. She's like, wow, seriously. So cops are bad everywhere, you guys. We figured it out. Mm-hmm. I, I like that they, they are portraying her religion positively. Uh, I read a take 
I, I, I like stumbled into a take about this this plot line uh, mm-hmm. recently that was like this plot line is digging into some really harmful anti-Asian stereotypes. And I was like, yeah. And they were like, it's mm-hmm. about how like, you know, uh, being an Asian man, like they're making fun of Asian men. I was like, wait, what, what are you saying? And it's like, she chooses the white guy because he's more masculine over her, like sort of more like sensitive Asian husband, her Indian husband. I was like, wait, no, wait, what are you, what did, what did you get out of this show? What do you mean? Cause it's this thing of like, it is a common trope that like the quote unquote good, Indian girl, instead of being with her, like, wonderful husband, chooses the, like, hot white guy. Like, that's a trope, you know? And it's pretty harmful, you know? It, it right. kind of ties into this, like, oh, we're better. You chose the good side. And that type mm-hmm. of racism. Mm-hmm. I don't... That's kind of, like, a really bad faith take on the plot line, though, because she's not like, yeah. I saw both options and I picked this. It's like, this person is literally a miracle to me. Their existence to me is a miracle, and I need to look into that and follow my heart and believe what I believe and not like Rajan is not portrayed as like a weak, like, you know, sad man here. Mm -hmm. Just circumstances happening. Yeah. I I can definitely see that. um, Like there being that lens on this plot, I think in a vacuum, her plot feels reasonable to me, but I can understand the, like, you know, in a larger context, that being a thing. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I agree with you that it that doesn't quite feel like what's going on here. I don't. Yeah, I, it just seemed yeah. like a hey, you watched this plot and had your take and then got took it to the end. But right. we can also see how it develops. Yeah, I mean, I think Rajan tried to have his dad killed. So also, you know, yeah, we'll <laughs> I think that's the case. Yes. <laughs> so, so we shall see. Uh, brief checking with Caffius as he comforts Riley and tells her the title of the episode, which is that death doesn't let you say goodbye. Mm-hmm. Uh, or she tells him that rather because she's worried about uh, death can carve holes in people's lives and their future and their heart, but you can't like fill it. It's a pretty mm-hmm. mature discussion of grief from our two faves here. Yeah. Uh, Caffius brings out the best in Riley is what I wrote. It's like he gets her to talk about her feelings in a way that the rest of her plot line isn't really letting her do. Cause the rest of her plot right. line is like, don't you know you're special? Don't you know that you're dealing with bad people? And she's like, I, I, I don't know. And then he's like, are you really sad that your husband died? Yes. Okay. That's okay. You're mm-hmm. allowed to grieve that. It's not, you right. don't have to erase that. Um, yeah. So like, Caffey's optimism is very infectious and I just love seeing him paired with other sensates who are having a bad time. Mm-hmm. For him to be like, but what if good time instead? Hmm? And and the sad <laughs> thing, and I think about this in real life, but like sometimes the nicest people have the saddest backstories, right? Or they have the saddest like b- experience that led to them being a nice person. Right, right. Clearly that optimism in this plot is born out of like very dire <laughs> life circumstances. And he's learned to be like, well, this is how you persist and remain resilient is you yeah. like seek out the best in life and make do with what you can get he tells her about uh when he was a kid he had a younger sister uh god my roommate guessed it get he, he made the prediction that the sister is the girl that he's taking care of for silas which is way too out there in my opinion but mm-hmm. it's a fun take uh his sister was taken away when he was a kid because his mother couldn't afford to feed both of them and so he, mm. you, and you think like, wow, that's so tragic. But Caffius is like, it's death and life at the same time. You know, we lost her, 
so that she could live a life. She would have died if she stayed mm-hmm. with us. Mm-hmm. And so like losing people and death and life, it's all the same thing. It's all some endings are just beginnings, which is really right. beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Uh, and then just before the best plot of the episode, Nomi's back. Amanita's home. I'm happy. The girls are back together. Not much to say here other than it made me really happy. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about Lido now? I can tell you want to talk about Nito, Lido. <laughs> Is there anybody else to discuss or should we just... I think I get everybody... Right this point? Unless there's anything else you wanted to dig into. Uh, nah, I don't think so. What's this? Felix and Wolfgang are watching Conan when Felix's dad pulls up. We can talk about that in straight uh, notes. I'll save that. I'll save that for straight notes. Yeah, let's get to Lido. Let's get to Lido. The guitar version of the theme song in the bar? I don't think I noticed that. that we were, you were too busy paying attention to the extremely gay bartender who I pegged yeah. before he said a single word. Oh. They just light him. It's gay lighting and not even like the blue and red <laughs> kind. It's like <laughs> just a certain soft lighting that I'm like, this guy is being portrayed as a romantic like cohort of Leto right now. What's going on here? It's. I mean, it's gay plotting. Also, like you just yeah. you know that this is what the plot point is going to be, for sure. In this moment, yeah. The guy flirts with him. He knows he's an actor. He's in a bar. He's depressed. Lito's depressed about Hernando, uh, but when the guy makes a move at him, he recoils and said he he says he's not an f slur. Uh, not the first time in these episodes that somebody uses that word, uh, isn't it? No, sorry. This is the first, but not the last. That's what I meant. Yeah, well, and I clarify that because I think that's really thematically important that it's Lito the first it. that Leto is the first character who says it in the show. It's sad. Yeah, and it's really characterful well, that he's the one who says it too. Right. Well, because not to totally give away where the plot goes, but what Nomi's lesson is for Leto is that like the real violence that is unforgivable is the violence we do to ourselves. Yes, and, dude. And that's the first time we hear that word is out of Leto's mouth. And then we hear it in Nomi's flashback. And I oh. just thought that was like such a powerful way to, to illustrate that point and to like right now in this moment, make us feel like, Oh God, Leto, like that's a terrible thing to say, and I feel so bad for you. <laughs> that, yeah, you know what I mean. So somebody like Lido um, is also capable, like, of feeling tragedy and heartbreak, like all the rest of us. Yeah, it is. It is a show that constantly pushes us to empathize as well, and mm-hmm. reminds us that sometimes when you're in your own head, you can be your worst enemy, and it sometimes takes the like other people in your community to just like give you the nudge, um, yeah. which leads to. Eventually, we'll talk about my favorite scene of the episode, but um, we get some flashbacks, by the way, in the museum. This is how we build up to the best part, but Mad World is playing while Lido and Hernando are looking at art. Uh I wrote to you, this is a rare example where you're allowed to use that song. It's like basically illegal to use it in 2022 at this point, or even 2015. It was corny, but... If, this if is it like... This was giving like, where is my mind leftovers vibes for me. Yeah. Well, it's, I think the only thing, the reason it worked for me was like Leto's melodramatic. Leto's really melodramatic. So the music in his scenes is like the the, the sliders cranked so far up that it breaks. But yeah, yeah, Mad World really like, it's it's been memed to death at this point. Yeah. Um, 
Hernando's the sexiest man alive as he explains the value of art and and why Diego Rivera is incredibly cool and how Frida Kahlo was the best thing in his life. And what was amazing for me, like as an immersive experience, was when I went to San Francisco for the first time in October, uh, I Uh went to the SF MoMA and the best experience I had was the Diego Rivera exhibit. And then Nomi, who's from San Francisco, comes into the scene and I was like, whoa, it's San Francisco and Mexico City and they're related and culturally, like the, the way culture transfers over and museum, art, oh, it's so good. So good, man. Nomi coming into the scene and teaching Leto how to fucking love again because you can't, nobody's worse to you than yourself is, mm, that's the that's the the juice, that's the meat. This is exactly what I want. Yeah, definitely. I choked up. I would, Did you write any quotes down from these scenes? This is just the best everything yeah i wrote a few down i mean this this is one of the best sequences the show has done i think um agreed and like what both of these episodes feature that are their highlights are moments where sensates can exchange life experiences exchange advice exchange skills to help each other and in the second episode there's some like cheesy versions of that that are fun um and this is just like the deepest part of the heart of this show um yeah cutting to the, the core of what it's about also yeah uh, there's <laughs> the first quote i wrote down is when Lido's describing having sex with hernando for the first time and says <laughs> what he talks about how he's uh Giving yeah, no, Hernando fellatio for the first time, he says that he took him into my mouth like I was taking Holy Communion, which is oh. such a beautiful, such a beautiful way to say that. Oh my God, I'm blushing. I blushed when I watched it. Yeah. I'm blushing right now. Oof, yeah. Um, I, yeah, that's the line I wrote down too. Yeah. <laughs> Nomi gives incredible advice to Lido in this scene. Um, the first piece of which is he's talking about, uh, you know, I'm risking everything I've worked for. And Nomi says, there's a huge difference between what we work for and what we live for. For, yeah. Yeah. Left us um, Yeah. And then when Nomi describes her experience um, in the locker room, the, the three things that struck me from that, first of all, are th- when we cut from the flashback and the most traumatic part of the flashback back to the conversation nomi's dripping wet from the memory right which is feel the pain of the memory like literally it's manifested as she is wet in the present it's this like incredible it's so brief and it's this impressionistic thing that there's been no point before where we've understood sensates to like do that kind of thing or experience that kind of thing with their memories. But mm-hmm. the fact that Nomi's visiting Lido and sharing something so raw, like her projected psychic self is bearing the, the signs of that. And uh, I just thought that was like a really, really powerful quick visual thing, like blink and you miss it. Um, but I thought that was great. Nomi says that the experience made me the woman that I am, mm-hmm. which is a, a line that is 
Pack full of peanuts and meaning. Yes, <laughs> exactly right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pack full of peanuts and meaning. And then the last part, the part that I have down word for word that I alluded to before, the real violence, the violence that I realized was unforgivable is the violence we do to ourselves when we're too afraid to be who we are. And that was the, the line that made that, me tear up. That's the thing that Lido needed to hear. Mm-hmm. That's the thing I needed to hear. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this, this is just amazing. You said all the best parts. Uh, I want to also highlight the, the, the really delicate balance of like the overt sexuality of Leto's description of, of fellatio. And you're like, wow, queerness is having like nasty sex in public. And then mm. literally like milliseconds later, we pan over and Nomi's talking about the most traumatic experience she had pre-transition and in her entire life. <laughs> And like yeah. for those to both exist in the same scene is a really good microcosm of the queer experience is that it contains multitudes. Uh, yeah. It it contains the worst tragedy and trauma of your life and also contains pure, almost supernatural bliss. Ecstatic uh, joy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's really, really deftly done. And I applaud the writers and creators of the show for putting this scene together because it's just like you're, sure. you don't see this. You don't see this anywhere else, honestly. For sure. Um, yeah. My last big note about Nomi, by the way, was just when she we can keep talking about this, but just like, did you catch the part where uh, you know Amanita is like, oh, how did you get out of being chased by the police after all that stuff? And she just goes, oh, I used Will's number, like his his cop number, to close my case. <laughs> that Which was is pretty like cool. The most clever, like we don't want to deal with this plot anymore. It's done. We, cops can do whatever they want. <laughs> <laughs> she's a wanted criminal and she goes no i'm not <laughs> yeah i used my magic hacking powers to use my friend's magic cop powers <laughs> it's like the perfect storm of Beautiful just work. fiat yeah exactly um and then uh more Lido stuff this is when he gets very sad we get a really elegant cover of knocking on heaven's door is elegant the word i want or is cheesy the word i want i can't tell Uh, cheesy cheesy is the word you want maximum cheese we're talking the ben and jerry's tipped over we're talking going into the hot tub with the clothes on we're talking leaving voicemails for your ex until the fucking mailbox is full we're talking (laughs) gutting we're talking he's so drunk he can't turn the bathtub on and he's calling hernando to be like hernando Hernando, this one's not about me wanting to be back together i just don't know how can you fix the bathtub Mm. Well, and it ends. It ends with yeah. him going to shoot himself with what turns out to be a gag gun that's actually a cigarette lighter, oh. and then he says, "It's fake. It's fake. Like everything in my life, I'm a fake. I'm a liar. All I know how to do is lie." And cut to credits. Cut to credits. That's like what? Oh my god! Mm-hmm. High drama. Seriously, I mean. If we're to keep running with the assumption and the understanding that Sense8 is, like, doing each of these shows as uh, pastiches of, like, what they are based on, like, Leto is in a telenovela. This is very melodramatic, yeah, exactly. It makes sense for his character to do this. If Riley did this and she's in, like, a modern prestige drama, I would think it's really ridiculous and weird. But it makes perfect sense for Leto to be this guy. That is kind of cool how the show can hold that. It can have characters that are like in the same world but can do things that other the other characters wouldn't be allowed to do (laughs) yeah exactly yeah i love that 
And I want them to do more of that, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Incredible episode. Hope that Leto's going to be okay. We know he probably will be. We watched the second one. Do you have any stray notes on this one? I have to cut off 15 minutes of Irsa talk to get this episode down. <laughs> That's the only part of this discussion that I didn't particularly care. Not the discussion, but the episode. I didn't really care for it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I had anything else. Okay, great. Great. Yeah, no. No. That's it. Great, is what I was trying to say. Well, thanks, King. We'll be right back after this brief musical break to discuss what is... Welcome back to Chats 8. The second episode we watched this week was Season 1, Episode 10, entitled, What is Human? It was written by Lily and Lana Wachowski and J. Michael Straczynski and directed by Lily and Lana Wachowski. It aired on June 5th, 2015, which is when all of Season 1 dropped on Netflix. Clonk! Alan, what happened in this episode of Sense8? In this episode, Will learns more about his origins and the threat to his future, while Wolfgang's actions catch up with him, even as his bond with Kala strengthens. Did I do a bump and grind motion while saying his bond? Maybe. You know, to find out. I don't see nothing wrong. Sorry. With a little bump and grind? Yeah. (laughs) Probably shouldn't (laughs) reference that song. Why? Wait. (sighs) Because I do see something wrong. Oh, With the singer. Oh, that's R. Kelly. Yeah. I'm not cutting that unless you want me to cut that. No, you can keep it. Okay, great. What did you think about the episode? What did I think about this one? What is human? I think I thought this one was pretty good. Here's what happened to me. Um, I have to stop thinking that I can watch Sense8 in public because then the characters start to have sex with each other on my screen. (laughs) So I was sitting at the cafe. I have uh, this lovely laptop, the Asus ZenBook Duo. So it's got the main screen, and it's got a smaller screen underneath. So I was at a cafe with Roommate of the Pod Charlie, and I had the, the show on my lower screen. And silly me, I'm thinking I can, like, toggle between my stuff and take my notes and down there, it's just Will Gorski and his dad, Joey Pan, sitting on a fishing boat talking about cop stuff and waiting for the fireworks to happen. Lo and behold, now it's become the the most tender, beautifully lit sex scene that is all sex all over my screen. Yeah, dude. <laughs> from that point forward, I was very timidly like, I'm going to keep the show on another tab. All right, let me take a look. All right, I think we're good. Oh, it looks like everybody's giving birth right now. All right, let's yeah. just put that one. So don't make the mistake I made and watch this show in the comfort of your own home so you can enjoy it and not worry that people are seeing over your shoulder like, what are you watching right now? I'm the guy from that Survivor gif where he's like, everyone else is looking at something and in shock, and I'm like, yes. I watch this show <laughs> on a big screen TV in public on the train on max volume with no with, with speakers. <laughs> I don't give a um, fuck, dude. <laughs> but I, I, 
I think I remember really liking this one. I think that ending sequence, as much as we're, you know, giving it a kind of a hard time earlier, I think it's beautiful um, and like really cool. And uh, like the previous episode, there's a handful of great character scenes and a handful of plot stuff that I'm like, nah, okay, sure. I guess you got to put that in there too. Yeah, if you must. Ultimately, I thought that this one was a lot more fun and light than the first one yeah. of this week. Agreed. Um, and I enjoyed Agreed. the like the ensemble scenes. Uh, I thought Wolfgang stuff was pretty fun. I thought the fireworks was a great second act moment. And uh, I liked everything with Iceland this week, this episode, believe it or not. It got good again. Mm. I like I like Riley's dad a lot. What can I say? When he plays the good music, I get happy. Want to get yeah, happy? Same. Let's start with the Abraham monologue as all eight of the sensates walk through the Garden of Exile in Germany, which is yeah. a Holocaust memorial, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Intense, charged imagery, intentionally charged. Hmm. This place brings clarity to any decision, though, according to Abraham. Did you like this scene? Did you like seeing all the different sensates poking around? Uh, okay. I have conflicted feelings about this particular scene. I think visually it looks really interesting. It's a irrespective of the content of the memorial, the physical shape of it makes for interesting cinematography Yep. and lets you do stuff where like one character disappears behind the thing and another one comes out and I, and now I'm turning the corner and trying to follow you and like, it looks cool. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that I am having uncertain feelings about here is I don't think Wolfgang's Jewish, right? I don't know. I don't, don't, I guess I don't know. Uh, It hasn't been explicitly said. Like the fact that I don't know, I think is indicative of the issue here. It just feels like we're using a very like abstract understanding of the holocaust to ask a very like broad question which is what he looks at or says i can't remember where this quote is from but i wrote down is the holocaust an aberration or a reflection of who we really are it's on Um, one of the memorials it's 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 on one of the memorials in real life it's there and i have mixed feelings about us like putting a holocaust memorial at the top of the episode to set up a theme that we then engage with in a very general non-specific sort of way, you know? And it also feels weird that the plot that the sensates themselves are going through involves them asking questions about like where Jonas is like, we're a, like a better race of Mm -hmm. beings than humans. Okay. That's weird. What are you saying? What's happening? And all this stuff about the sensates being hunted and like, maybe you didn't mean to do this, but you have to think that if you're starting an episode with like, you're at a Holocaust memorial and then you're like, anyway, now here's this story about this group of people who's being hunted by a shadowy government. Uh, Ah, the metaphor is there, guys. It just like doesn't at best it's like pretty careless. Um, So I was not a fan of that 
because there aren't any Jewish characters here. So like, what are we, what are we doing? You know? And it, and if the, if it's the solution that's like, well, that you guys know of, maybe we're going to learn later that like Will is Jewish, then like, don't make that a plot twist. Don't introduce this first and then do right. that. Terrible order right. of operations. Uh, and second of all, yeah, you're using the imagery for your own storytelling and it feels kind of bad. And I, I like, okay, maybe Wolfgang is not Jewish, but he is German and German people have a connection to the Holocaust. It's not a positive right. one. It's mm-hmm. not the kind where they're like, I love going here to feel good things. It's one of yeah. regret and deep shame uh, and a desire to repent, you know, but. Right. Uh, Which doesn't. The... Sorry. Go ahead. It's not the the purview of this show, right? And th- and that's not even the thematic substance of Wolfgang's plot either, right? Yeah, because like it, the the place his plot goes is he takes violent revenge <laughs> on these guys. So, uh, why was he here? He visited here to decide if he wanted to kill someone. Is that what the like narrative logic was? So, you know, it uh, it bugs me because I was interested in the way that they kind of threaded in the legacy of the Holocaust when he and Felix were meeting with the guy who was examining the diamonds. Abraham, yeah. Um, because that was like, okay, here's like a person who is in this world and is representative of a handful of ideas that these people are interacting with. But now it's like we're in this very abstract place asking a theme that's basically like killing, good or bad. Anyway, we're going to do this episode where killing fucking rocks. Rules. <laughs> like Where it's so cool to kill. <laughs> also, so- like all of the bad guys in Wolfgang's plot are like clearly completely evil. Yeah. Like this Steiner guy, just evil. It's fine that we shoot him later. Like it's, it's yeah. fucking interesting. But like, what? What are we doing? What's the morality play here? I don't know. Yeah. So I think it ends up like really muddying things and being a little like, come on, why'd you do that? And then for us to go from that to, uh, we will so we learned that will and wolfgang like have beef maybe wolfgang doesn't like him which yeah. uh makes me like wolfgang more um, <laughs> fair enough <laughs> but then i can't remember who will is visiting with but they ask why is it so loud where you are and he says it's independence day oh that's wolfgang because then because then wolfgang says what is best in life huh will says i don't understand and wolfgang says no you wouldn't and so then we go to Chicago on the 4th of July and like, is this show like pro 4th of July? What's happening I, in this episode? I think it's the, sorry, the what is best in life is to crush your enemy, see them driven before you and to hear the lamentations of their women. The show is right. making me want to watch Conan the Barbarian really badly. I just want to say that before mm-hmm. I forget. Uh, I think the show has like a sort of neoliberal view on America and it's this whole like, well, maybe the, there are problems abound, but like 4th of July, kind of say getting out on a boat with your dad with some beers and some brats. That's freaking fantastic, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, having sex with your gay girlfriend in San Francisco. That's freaking sick. That's praxis to me. Uh, mm-hmm. But like it's kind of texture without substance. 
Like it's right. it's it's the outside of a fruit, but it's hollow. Uh, you cut inside of it, and there's nothing. There's there's confetti inside, and it says "Happy July Fourth." And you're like, "What? Where's my durian?" Right. Uh, right. It's, it's it's nothing. It did this so that they could do a fireworks show. It feels like there's no ideology here to me. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I you saying that Conan quote makes me feel like the critique is a little more substantial than I realized because I interpreted Wolfgang saying what is best in life to mean like independence is the best thing in life and will you wouldn't understand that because you don't give a shit about that but oh i like that i guess but what you're saying with the conan quote is wolfgang is making this critique of like american empire and will's like huh and wolfgang's like yeah fuck you you wouldn't get, <laughs> get it out of here I, um, I also think if it's just a surface level read of it that he's being a nerd and he's saying you know sometimes you got to kill the bad guys that's why he kills a bad guy later and Will's uh-huh. like, I don't understand what you mean because I don't, I don't know your full context. But later, when uh, Wolfgang fights Steiner, you're like, oh, that's what he meant. Like, I don't know. It can be interpreted in various ways that go, mm-hmm. that range from really stupid and base level to potentially interesting. Yeah, but yeah, the the Independence Day stuff is is just set dressing, I guess. Um, but it just has this kind of like wistful Americana vibe that it's like, okay. We can all pull sure. up together on the boat and watch the fireworks together. It's a scene right. that's a tied to ecstasy because in the scene before all of this, Riley shows her dad ecstasy. And so you're like, this is like the adjective ecstasy. Like this is people feeling joy mm. and something bigger mm. than them, whether it's sex or uh, actual drugs or fireworks. Everyone's feeling something right. bigger than themselves here. Yeah. And this and doing that sex scene when the fireworks are happening saves it for me. Um, from being this like wait what independence to instead you know being like this kind of co opting of the feelings of the Fourth of July for something that the sh- creators of the show believe is like actually worth celebrating. Um, but definitely there's still a little bit of like wow the fireworks. Yeah, I love them. Anyway. Uh. Fireworks. I also. How did they film this? Did they like film a fireworks show or what? It was pretty impressive. Maybe CG. Ah, uh, yeah. No, it could have just been real fireworks. Who knows? I don't know how you film in fireworks though, like for safety reasons. I guess you just you have a good drone or something. It's. I don't know. It was cool. Mm. It was very pretty at the very least, even if it felt substanceless. Mm. Pers- personally. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about the Wolfgang Steiner stuff really quick since it's one big scene? Yeah, yeah, let's knock that out. So so Breaking Bad came out in 2007. And <laughs> if there's one key cinematic thing that we learned, it's that putting a bunch of guys in a field with cars and guns is going to just end really well. Uh, uh-huh. And so Wolfgang... <laughs> this is so Breaking Bad. You're so right. I That was the first thing I felt. I was like, why am I watching Breaking Bad right now? Uh First of all, Steiner comes to the hospital and is like, hey, motherfucker, I'm going to kill Felix and everybody if you don't give me my diamonds that you that aren't his. They stole them. He, they just got there first. He's like, mm-hmm. how did you crack it? He's Wolfgang's like, I cracked it because I'm smart. And he's like, I don't believe you. Most people break these these saves. Wolfgang goes home. The way that he hid the, the diamonds is kind of cute. He froze them in ice in his refrigerator. I love to think mm-hmm. that somebody comes over and they're like, I just want to get a drink. And I just get like a cold drink. And he's no, like, no, 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 <laughs> Glug, 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 glug. Ah, delicious. <laughs> uh, what did I just cough up? Uh, goes to the meetup spot in his BMW, takes off the sunglasses, 
he's like, don't fight. I'm going to just give it to you. Steiner doesn't believe him. He's like, go check on the diamonds. It's a bomb. If it was a bomb, wouldn't you guys all be dead? He's stupid. Uh, <laughs> that's how I felt about this. Uh, they realize that they are real, but they still don't trust him. Uh, he's like, well, Wolfgang, I'm not stupid. You're, I'm going to punch you in the gut. Fuck you. He beats him up a bunch. At this point, Wolfgang needs to talk. So he enlists Lito Rodriguez, the number one fast talker, uh, to tell him how to do this and to basically mm-hmm. be like, hey, you know, uh, Felix did do some bad stuff to get these diamonds because he knows that what Steiner wants is to see Felix be embarrassed. He wants to feel masculine and strong. So if we effeminize our be- our best friend, then it'll make him feel good. And in that brief uh, moment of vulnerability, uh, Steiner tries to pull the trigger Mm-hmm. Does misses, and then is this? How does this? What does the order of operate? Someone, oh, oh, he pulls out the gun. He shoots so, all the guys up guns. Yeah, Lido basically buys Wolfgang the moment that he needs to open up vats and uh, load up all of his shots. I thought you'd laugh at that. But shots, you know, okay. yes, yes, shots. No vats, opening up vats, fallout. Oh, 50%, 75%. He got the 99% on three people. Like that kind of ads. Yeah, yeah, that kind of okay, ads. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <clears throat> Maybe if this was like 10 years ago, that would have landed. But yeah. it's okay. Um, yeah, and then Wolfgang goes to his trunk and pulls out a rocket launcher. GTA. GTA. GTA yeah. slash Breaking Bad. Like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. And the whole time Lito's like, what? What are you doing? What the heck do you have that for? And he blows the guys up and he's like, hey, thanks. Thanks for helping me out. That's like, that's a fun bit of like friendly, friendly moment. Yeah. Uh, it is pretty cool to see them team up. We haven't really seen them interact before. Um, and there's this thing that happens across. I think it's maybe just this episode or across both. Where senseis who you haven't seen talk to each other yet mm-hmm. are kind of just like, hey, hey you're up? Wolfgang, right? I know I know you. Uh, anyway, now we're explicitly talking to each other, um, which is kind of Yeah, fun. at this point, they all have to know. We can't keep saying, like, what? You're a, there's another one in my head? Oh, my God. How many of you are there? Like, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting. But, um, uh, yeah, I like this, this moment where Leto, it's a little ham-fisted for him to be, like, lying's easy. It's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do think it has the sort of fun that like a good RPG session has where like the bard is able to convince the bad guy to slap himself in the face or right, something. And you're like, right. whoa, charisma is so powerful. <laughs> um, that's that's the feel of it. And that's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes it's talking. Everybody has a skill. We learn later when Leto needs his help that uh, Wolfgang's skill is actually melee fighting. But different than Sun's <laughs> yeah. melee fighting, because she's busy not being in the plot right now. So um, do we want to talk about Lita's stuff next? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, great. Uh, something, something. Sensates are pre-humans. Oh, Lito does turn around and that bartender from last episode. Um, we hope you're binging the show, because literally, when you, when you watch them back-to-back, it feels like five minutes later, he goes, actually, I do... I, I do I am very sad and lonely and want to be with you. But not before drinking not three but four but six tequila shots. Making out with the bartender and then leaving. Wow, Lito. 
How do we feel about Lido kissing the bartender after just breaking up with Hernando? Mm. We've I... all done this before. We've all kissed the bartender. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think on the one hand, it's like, what? But Hernando. But on the other hand, it's like, the point of it is to be a reparative gesture after the horrible thing that he said mm-hmm. and the violence that he did to this guy and to himself. Um, and so it kind of works for me for it to be such a passionate, overt flourish of like, yeah, you're fucking sexy. I'm going to kiss you. Uh, this is what I want to do. Like, this is the urge that I have. I'm accepting that I'm attracted to you. And also, I can separate that from the fact that I am in love with this particular person. Um, Because, am I understanding it right that Hernando was the first person that Leto had a homosexual relationship with or did i misunderstand i think you understood that correctly that's how i understood it because then to me what's significant about this is leto being able to separate like my sexuality is not hernando i'm not hernando sexual right or like i'm not totally wrapped up in this guy and he's the end all be all of my sexual identity Mm -hmm. my sexual identity is like this thing that is a part of me that I can affirm for myself. And now I'm going to go be with the man that I love. I think you make a great point because in a, in a more heteronormative show, yeah, this would read as a moment of like deep sadness and vulnerability for Leto. Like, Oh, you, you, you know, you did the forbidden sin. And that's, that's like coming from a society that kind of, polices who we have sex with who we're attracted to how many people we have sex with or, mm-hmm. or 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 make out with but it's it is that it's it's i'm not coming to hernando for the hookup i can do that with whoever i want including this great mm-hmm. bartender i'm coming to hernando because he fills my heart with joy and makes me feel complete and that's why right. you stay with somebody so like yeah i think that's a really good read on it and i don't come out of this feeling like embarrassed for Lido or ashamed of him it's just like and I don't even just mean like, oh, we've all done this before, but like, yeah, I would. People would do this. It makes sense to do this in Leto's mm-hmm. position. You're confirming for yourself and for your body that like, I'm not just down bad for this one dude. I just he's he matters <laughs> to me, and I need to get this off my chest a little bit. Right, right. Good moment and good analysis. Thank you. Mm. Um, I like the line. This is a stolen kiss because these lips belong to another. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty sexy moment. Lino plotline makes real. me fucking feral, dude. I love it so much. I try not to put too much of that on the podcast, <laughs> but like, I love it very much. Lito pulls up on Joaquin and Daniela, reminding us that this is a telenovela. <laughs> right. Talk about this being a genre piece. Slow mo, sunglasses. I don't think he was smoking a cigarette, but it had flick the cigarette away energy, yep, yep. which is great. Um, and then we just get into this bare-knuckle brawl with Joaquin, who is frighteningly wiry and precise uh-huh. in his jabs. Yeah. Um, Leto has a hard time until our good friend Wolfgang is like, hey, now it's my turn to do this thing for you, and just beats the, the crap out of Joaquin. You help me, I help you. Very simple. Yeah. Uh, yeah, beats him up. 
rescues Daniela. She has terrible hair in this scene. I don't know. I guess being married to a straight guy like ruins your hair or something. Uh-huh. It's sad. Um, and yeah, I like I like Wolfgang, like I said earlier, giving him melee attack skills because Sun can't be in the plot right now. And there's just something uh-huh. about like both of them wanting revenge too. It's not just that like Wolfgang can punch, but like he has the motivation behind this, even if it's not mm-hmm. for this this guy. And then, uh-huh. and and like hey, you you exchange help because so far Caffius hasn't like helped Sun after she you know helped him beat up those dudes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's nice to see it go both ways. But yeah, Danielle is good. They go back to Hernando's place. Uh, it's a, a very tender moment. Like hey, I'm back. What's up? Do you want me to leave? No. Okay. I uh, still love you, bud. Okay. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Great. Good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how every week I want either myself or my roommate make a comment and we say, wouldn't it be ridiculous if this happened and then it happens? Uh, mm-hmm. This week, my roommate said, uh, oh, nice. Danielle's here. She can take more pictures now. And I was like, no, stop. She knows that the error of her ways. And then she immediately takes more pictures. And I was like, mm-hmm. Uh, but like it's fine there and because he decided it's fine uh that joaquin released the photos he doesn't care anymore if the public knows that he's gay except also he beat up joaquin so he's probably fine mm-hmm. right nice sweet moment i'm happy the gang is back together this made me happy very sweet yeah me too uh, it was like fan service in the very best way when she was like oh just taking pictures. <laughs> I would do the same. It's like, yay. yay. Everything's fine now. We don't have to do any more plot anywhere. Let's just stop. Let's just... Can we quit it? Yeah. Kala's depressed. She visits Caffius in Nairobi. Uh, and they watch TV together. This is mm-hmm. such a, sh- an, a scene written by people who love TV. It felt like we were being pandered to almost. Uh, yes. <laughs> he, it, it to the point where he where Caffius says the line, uh, you know, she's like, "Why do you have a TV instead of uh, like? How can a TV be more important than a bed?" He says, "The bed keeps you in the slum. The flat screen takes you out." Which like, <laughs> I'm face palming. It's so true, though. I hate how true it is. <laughs> and then in Caffius- that same scene, he also says, "Jean Claude is the Fred Astaire of martial arts," which is such a take. It's it's quite something extremely line written by a writer we talk about that concept a lot but yeah like i'm proud of you uh, yeah right extremely now. line written by jean-claude van, van Damme. <laughs> in his a wikipedia page not written by him <laughs> allegedly yeah. um so just trying to enjoy the movie it's cute also he like name drops his tv he's like i love the samsung smt 4023 and i was like what the fuck why did you... hmm. <laughs> is that and it's a real tv it's out of print it's out of uh, production these days um hmm. but it's real uh, a brief moment before we get to the last big thing. Sensates are apparently, according to Jonas, pre-humans. They existed before humans. And I was like, wait, what are they saying about, like, were they, like, on Earth before? And then Jonas literally goes to Will and is like, I'm telling you a lot of things. Don't worry about it. Focus on whispers. <laughs> like, basically tells him not to care. <laughs> like, thank you. Appreciate you. Yeah. Uh, he says Whispers is going to try to use you to get the rest of the cluster. Angela committed suicide to protect the rest of you. You're going to survive. You have a secret. Humans are disconnected from each other, which has made Sense8 the most successful. Or that's why humans are such successful killers is because they can detach. And they wouldn't kill mm. each other if they were all Sense8. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. How well, do you feel about that? About, about this, the human like, thing? 
Yeah, I don't know about this sort of like there are two different groups of people and the evolution and the human thing and just the kind of sci-fiification of this this All concept. The, I'm reading Do Android's Dream with Electric Sheep right now. And the reason that book is uh-huh. so good to me is because it's funny, but also because all of its sci-fi is tangible and feels like it came from a real place. That's like the essence of science fiction. Uh I want to believe in this idea that like if we were all sensates, we would be better because we would empathize more. I, I, I truly believe in that. Coincidentally, Do Android's Dream is also about empathy very explicitly. Uh, but the difference is that Android's imagines a world where like, here's how this happens. Here's how we get to things like the empathy box and Android's. But sensei, we can't, we, you, Magellan, and I can't become sensates. So like, it's like, wow, wouldn't it be great to live in a fantasy world where a bunch of us could connect to each other? Yeah, I guess I don't though. And it's really sad that I don't, but I can try. And so I hope that the show maybe in its second season kind of like just dies a little bit more into what that takes. Like what, what can we actually take from the sensates Mm. and their powers? Is there something useful about it or is it all just going to exist in the realm of magical ability, borrowing and uh, feelings, sensing and stuff like that? Yeah, I'm with you there. I I can see this show potentially having, x-men style metaphor problems of like yeah mutants are persecuted in this world and also they can shoot lasers out of their eyes so like the metaphor only stretches so far or gets muddled by that reality but i'm always asking for things to get more tangible and i don't know if the workhouses are gonna do that jms could do that he likes making things tangible so it's kind of a Mm -hmm. a a push and pull there. Uh, do do do. Uh, Riley shows her dad ecstasy, and that brings us, I think, to the last scene of the episode. Yeah, I think we hit. Every- Did we talk about Sun? Oh, not really. What happens with Sun this episode? Uh, her lawyer shows up, and her lawyer's like, "Your brother's gonna get totally fucked, and he should probably leave the country." Mm. And she's like, mm, "Okay, that's about it." Gives the testimony that will lead to sons. Her father will give the testimony that might lead to her being free from prison in less than a week. She signs some papers. This is where I was like, it's probably not going to go well. When someone signs papers, it's not good. I don't know. Right. Right. But yeah, that's the main stuff. Uh, And she has a flashback with her mom as well. Uh, Okay. So last scene, Riley's father is doing his incredible piano performance uh, as we all enjoy it, us being the sensates and us being the viewer. Um, it's a beautiful performance. He's in harmony with the symphony, almost like they're all sensating into each other. And we see a couple of things. We see a lot of imagery flash, flashing back to uh, her dad when she was a kid. We learned that uh, while her mom was giving birth, he played the piano into the phone and they held it up to the baby as it was being born as she crowns. And we watch <laughs> Riley crown out of her mom, and then we see all eight people's kind of hammy birthing scenes. Yeah. Uh, my favorites, Lido's parents watching a telenovela instead of him being born. <laughs> yeah, this this scene is on the nose. Like, this is like, yeah. You know what's the most on yeah. the nose one that I almost felt awkward about? Which one? I'm reading into this a lot, but it's also, it's in the show. They really explicitly show Nomi's cord getting cut. It's going, guys, gender? What's going right. on there? What? 
sex and gen uh he did that on purpose i feel weird about it um well then they also the other emphasis of nomi's is her mom being um knocked out and it being a c-section it's the only c-section that we see oh interesting which is sort of this like distance from From the mother thing um oh i didn't realize it was her who was a c-section god how do we feel about that fuck um as a c-section baby um i'm offended (laughs) (laughs) honestly (laughs) but your mom's one of the most tender loving people i've ever known like yeah me too thank you for saying that thank you um but I do think I think what I love about this sequence is that they use this uh this piece. I can't remember. I looked it up. The title's just like a allegro in C, mm-hmm. whatever. Like it's not like a thematic it's not called like the birth of Venus or whatever. Um but what they do is this piece has like rises and falls and shifts in tone. And they map different sensate births to like the different vibes of things. Um, And I appreciate that they include a birth like Nomi's that feels complicated and um, a little bit unpleasant and distancing uh, because, you know, not everybody has like a rapturous experience of birth or good relationships with their parents and um, I think they show the range of the emotional range of that pretty well. Um, and then to end with Caffius's, which is the most like, I love my mom so much. She's the most incredible mom. And my birth was the best moment of my life. It's awesome. It is. Looking into the sky, sobbing over how great his birth was. Ah, uh, I got doughy eyed again. Oh boy. Yeah. Caffius. Yeah. He's crying. I'm crying. Wolfgang had a water birth, by the way. I, is that why he likes swimming so much? <laughs> right. That was like, okay, <laughs> sure. I, this is, I really meant it at the top of the show. It felt like they said, how can we make childbirth characterful? And it's like, what a strange journey to go down in crafting the <laughs> that, scene. <coughs> that, uh, that felt like in the writer's room, they had brainstormed a bunch of different types of births. And then they were like, wait, water birth? Wolfgang's always in the pool. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> High fives all around. Yep. We're getting lunch. We're calling it. Yeah. Sadly, at the end of this, we learned that Riley actually had a child. That's Luna. That's the per- child mm-hmm. whose grave she saw next to her husband, who both died in a car accident. Luna was being born while the accident was happening. Didn't Wait, really? that's what it was? I think that's what was happening. And then as the crash jeez happened, she dies. Yeah, jeez Louise. Yeah. And then wasn't the, I'm so confused about Riley's past. Wasn't there also she like went to a mountain to try to freeze to death or something? Maybe? Or or am I not getting what, what I saw? <laughs> I don't know. I got confused. There was a lot of flashbacks. I agree. It's confusing. I'll look I'll look it up. I'll figure it out. I want to be careful for looking it up time. because it's gonna give you season two stuff. Okay, all right. I won't look I won't look it yeah, up. Yeah, be careful. Uh if you do it. Uh yeah, and then she faints. Because we have to have conflict in the show. We can't just have us enjoying a nice symphony. Riley reacts to all of this and her her nose bleeds and then she passes out in the during the show. Uh oh, episode's over. Oops. Uh-huh. Stray notes, my friend. 
<laughs> Once again, Joaquin says the F slur to uh, to Toledo this time. It feels mm-hmm. more charged, but less emotionalist. Yeah, because it's passed from the violence we do to ourselves to like violence done to us. This like action movie villain who's saying it, and yeah. it's lost some of its power because of that shift. Agreed. Um, I don't think I. Oh. Yeah, not really. There's this weird line. Sometimes when you make a mistake, you've got two choices. You live with it or you fix it. Uh, is Wolfgang's advice to Leto. <laughs> it's like, okay. okay. And that's all that Leto needed to hear to go to beat up Joaquin. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also this mirroring moment where Wolfgang, after he helps, says fighting is easy. Fighting is what I do. Um, and I don't love those lines, but I do like this dynamic where both of them detest the thing in themselves that is like what saves the other person right um and there's something powerful to me about that about like the thing that we're able to give to people or that they revere in us is like the thing that we feel trapped inside of sometimes um that feels powerful that is powerful i agree right because leto wants the ability to actually stand up and fight and do the things he says and wolfgang is a van damme fan so he's really good at that uh or a cone you know a conan fan Mm -hmm. and yet wolfgang can't fully express his emotions and like say what he wants and do what he wants and leto's out Mm -hmm. here living the high life his his best gayest life yeah right it's good shit that's the meat and potatoes of the episode right there yeah birthing scene i hope people are watching along with us it's so cool Show's weird great show (laughs) great show i'm having a great time um do you want me to tell you what we're watching next time on Chat State, Magell? Please do. Uh, you know what, bud? I think I'm just about done with season one of Sense8. Wait, is that true? Did I make that joke up? Nope, that's it. We're going to be done next week with season one of Sense8. The last two episodes are called Just Turn the Wheel and the Future Changes. Riley's fate draws nearer while Caffius and Son are put to the test. And Wolfgang makes his boldest move yet showering before he gets in the pool <laughs> the season, the se- thank you the season finale is called i can't leave her in the season finale with riley oops in the season finale with riley all the sensate skills are needed to give them any chance at survival i feel mm. like I did, I did pretty good there i, I got around it with yeah. riley dead in the ground nope let me fix that i'm just kidding <laughs> Uh, fun stuff we're gonna be done with season one. Oh my god there's no more good well i watched the christmas special it's like two hours long mm. after that i don't know what happens occasionally i look at the wiki and i see like this character was a major person in season two and i'm like no don't look but they seem interesting mm. Mm. uh great magellan i want to ask you a question okay if people like your voice and they want to hear you on a different podcast where can they hear you Super Smash Echoes. It's a video game podcast I do with my friend Justin. Super Smash Echoes. Check it out. We play video games that are related to the Super Smash Brothers franchise. What about you? Where can people hear you more? 
Awesome. I'm on a couple podcasts. I'm on Usmar Anime, which is a weekly podcast where my friend Six and I on ScanlineMedia.com review and discuss every episode of Mobile Suit Gundam The Witch from Mercury as they come out. So if you're into anime or Gundam or mobile suits, you can check that out where you listen to podcasts. We're also bringing back the Hunter's Quorum with the upcoming release of uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Uh, which is a podcast where we talk about monsters, whether they be Monster Hunter monsters or Pokemon monsters. Um, we're going to be talking about the new Pokemon very soon. I saw some unfortunate looking footage of the new game, and I, uh, I'm i going to play it. I mean, shit, I'm going to play it, but damn, what if Nintendo could make a game on anything other than the Switch? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it? If they could make a game on anything other than the Switch, like just anything with better graphical capability, or like make the uh, game run better, sure. or sure, you're starting. I'm just starting to see the the uh, the tears. Yeah, Anyways, we'll, you know, let's we'll, we'll get to a new console soon, for sure, for Next sure. A couple of years, probably. Uh, I would like to take us to the plug zone if you don't mind. Please do. Okay, I will. If you would like to uh, send us questions, comments. Concerns, our email address is chatspod at gmail.com. That's C-H-A-T-C-P-O-D. Our Twitter is at chatspod, although with Twitter melting down slowly, we might need to move to, like, co-host Tumblr. We have a Tumblr. Uh, We'll keep people posted if that has to change, but Twitter is actively on fire right now. But you can still follow at chatspod. It's still there. It's been there for many years. You can get updates about the show. Uh, our subreddit is our chats pod. That's where fans talk about the podcast and upload discussions of episodes every week. If you like chats and want to hear more of our fun TV book club show, one of the best ways to support us is with a review or a rating on Apple podcasts on Spotify, whatever platform you use that really gets the algorithm in our favor. And if you want to toss us a couple bucks, it really supports us. It's patreon.com slash chats pod. You get all sorts of bonus content at one, three, and five dollars a month over there. Uh, one and three dollars get you different tiers of content like bonus commentaries where we watch movies and talk over them, or chats nights where we just talk, or pilot chats where we spin a wheel and you make us watch the pilot of a show based on a theme every month. Uh, and if you're a five dollar patron or more, you get a thank you at the end of every main feed episode. And today that includes the following beautiful humans: Arthur, Jen. Justin, Kat, Lee, Magellan's mom, Marcus, Michael, Nick and Pat of the Brothers at Infinite War, Six, and of course, Stefan. Thank you all for supporting Chats. We really appreciate you. All things Chats, a television podcast, can be found at chatspod.com. If you like our main feed art, it's done by our friend Camilla, who can be found at Camilla Strader on the platforms. And that's the plug zone. But before we go, our final segment is called Chatsums, just like the Vlasic Snackum Pickles. We give you a little bit of something to chew on before uh, next Chats episode. Uh, every week, everybody on the episode does a Chatsum or two or three. So, Majan, what is your Chatsum this week? I have been watching uh, Game of Thrones. What is that? I thought it's um, so. Okay. Imagine a world where the seasons are just a little bit longer than you might think. Okay. And uh, everybody's a little bit grumpy, okay. uh, but uh, they also like to fuck. Okay. <laughs> that's Game of Thrones. Uh, I've never watched the show in its entirety, uh, as was discussed in our House of the Dragon episodes. And uh, that 
watching House of the Dragon either made me interested in watching Game of Thrones or it made the YouTube algorithm think that I was interested and then it gave me a bunch of Game of Thrones clips and then I got interested. It's one of those two things, but I don't know Chicken which. Chicken or the egg. Right. Um, but now I'm watching the show. I'm partway through season one and I'm having a good time. That's awesome. And uh, since I'm, we're not watching it for chats, I get to spoil everything. And nobody can get mad at me for it. I can still get mad at you for it. (laughs) I know everything that's going to (laughs) happen. Littlefinger be like. (laughs) (laughs) Littlefinger do be like. I would would play Littlefinger if I was in the show. That's what I decided to. I would play Vera so we could both be sneaky, nasty men together. Oh, what a fun time that would be. I know. Let's make it happen. Okay. Let's do it. Uh, What about you? What's your chance of? My chat time is doing a Game of Thrones parody with your best friend. <laughs> no, I've um I've been like letting myself fall back into some old rabbit holes recently. Uh, I find uh-huh. that when I'm at my least comfortable or least settled, it really helps me to like go to old habits, whether they be good or less good, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But these aren't toxic habits. They're just games I used to play and love very much. Uh, I can't even back into a couple like gotcha games on my phone, which are like free to play, like, you know, get the new character games. Um, so shout outs to World Flipper, uh, which is a pinball gotcha game. Shout outs to Dragalia Lost, which was my favorite back in 2018, and it's shutting down on November 30th. So no, I no. think it's almost gone when you are listening to this. Let me check mm. that. Nope, you got three days. Download it, play it for three days. They're like giving up. They're giving up the ghost. Everything's free in there. It's sick. You can't put money into it. It's sad to see a gotcha game die. But my big and also um, I started playing Marvel Snap. Because uh, I keep hearing talk about yeah, it. Yeah, my friend Carson was playing that. It's surprisingly accessible. It's like a very short form card battling game where there's three territories and you're placing cards to control the the, the number on each one uh, by having a stronger strength level. Matches are done in like between two and five minutes. They're so quick. And that was the sell for me that I was like, I could try this. It's free. It's on my phone. Try it. It's a free to play game. So be aware there's like you know free to play things it doesn't seem too bad about that stuff though because you can't like buy card packs so it's interesting i I tentatively recommend marvel snap Mm -hmm. and then just the last one the ultimate alan is on their bullshit again i started playing world of warcraft again stop it yes the new expansion looks so fucking good one of my colleagues at work come play with me colleagues one of my colleagues at work well because she's my co-workers boss but she's in my department so uh, i don't know uh, what would you call her? a colleague colleague, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah i go into her office i ask her some work stuff and i'm like so not work related are you still playing wow and she's like yo dude i got dragon flight i've been leveling my character and i was like oh my god oh my god is it good is it good and she's telling me about it and i was like damn it that they made an expansion that's like how to train your dragon the video game you can play that's as awesome. people who transform into dragons it's fucking that's awesome I, I felt so much warmth and nostalgia coming back to my I have had the same wow. character for folks who don't know since I was 14 years old. They are still running. And mm-hmm. speaking of gender and the flexibility of identity, since I stopped playing, they made sex changes free. You don't have to pay money to change your gender or sex anymore. Wow, thank you. Good I, work. My character I've had since I was 14 is a girl now. And like, I know it's corny and like oh, whatever. That's so cool. It made that's me so actually, happy. That's special. It warmed my heart. I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is just awesome. Yeah. World of Warcraft gets my chats on this week. That's my main one. So that's great. Yeah. 
Well, thank you, Magellan, for being the um, the doula to my crowning baby head. I made a face. Made a face. I'm grossing myself out, guys. Thank you, you all, for listening to this episode of Chats 8. Peace.